Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back to episode six of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast presented by the Believe Podcast Networks. Um, I am your host, Tony Liebert, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Liebert. Um, For today's episode, um, we are going to recap the Gophers' dominant 30-0 victory over the Colorado Buffaloes in Boulder, Colorado. I'll be talking about the dominant offensive line and running game performance, along with the strong uh, defensive uh, showing and uh, all of the young stars making plays. Um, For today, we will be combining the uh, preview and uh, recap episode, being that the Gophers week four opponent, um, Bowling Green, just earned their first win since November third or November of 2019 over uh, Murray State with a 27 to 10 victory. I, I don't really see uh, why Bowling Green deserves a entire preview show. So we're going to be combining the two episodes for this week. Let's get right into uh, the Gophers' 30-0 win over Colorado. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from the game is just how dominant really were the Gophers. Because everyone watched the game, and it was 30-0, and they really had zero trouble at all. Uh, There was zero worry, really, at all at any point of the game. Um, To put some numbers into the con and to make some context with some numbers, um, the Gophers outgained Colorado in total yards 441 to 63. That is 227 to negative 19 in the rushing game. So, I think the biggest question is was this more about how good the Gophers were or how bad Colorado is? Um, so obviously. Leading into this game, I didn't expect it to be this big of a blowout. Colorado had uh, showed that they can compete with the big guys, so to speak, last week when they uh, played Texas A&M close, even though Texas A&M didn't have their starting quarterback. But uh, I, I think this is kind of like a, I would say a, set, a 65-35 split for how good the Gophers played and how poorly Colorado played. I mean, Colorado, as a team, they uh, brought in their backup quarterback late in the game. They were 12-24 passing for 82 yards. 
and they had 21 rushes for negative 19 yards. Obviously, you have to give the Gophers credit for limiting them to that, but there's no way that uh, it, it's just you obviously can't win a game doing that um, at, in Colorado's uh, situation. And the 2-0 turnover battle honestly made a big difference. Uh, one of those obviously came off of a punt, but the other one kind of came while uh, the Gophers were a, a bit sluggish to start the third quarter. And uh, Colorado, for their... Uh, for them in this game, I guess they were they were kind of driving. They were past midfield, and then Jack Gibbons, who had a great game, but we'll get to that later. Uh, stripped, uh, stripped, and recovered a fumble. Um, but without that play, I think Colorado might have gotten on the board and might have obviously had positive rushing yards in the game. But overall. It, it really was a dominating performance by the Gophers. I mean, you can't um, put it past them that they played nearly a perfect game. I don't, I don't really know of too many players on the team who didn't play well, and uh, it's just, just great um, to see. And as they uh, go for the rest of the season. Um, this is just a huge win for their confidence, first of all. Even if it was, even if Colorado stinks, it's a massive win for their confidence. It has to be a huge boost uh, with Big Ten play only two weeks away. Um, so I guess more into the um, into the depths of the game, uh, the offensive line and the rushing game, I think, was the biggest takeaway. Uh, the Gophers, as a team, had 53 carries for 277 yards and four touchdowns. Um, Trey Potts led the way again with 26 carries for 121 and three. And then I think another uh, bright spot was uh, true freshman Bucky Irvin, who had 15 carries for 89 yards, and redshirt freshman Kai Thomas, who had seven carries for 66 yards. Um, so obviously with, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim going out for the season two weeks ago, the Gophers were tasked with replacing him. And I, I'm, uh, I, I would hope that they have the answers to how they would like to deploy their, uh, running backs for the rest of the year. Uh, Trey Potts should be the clear number one. And then, uh, Bryce Williams and Cam Wiley, unfortunately, really did not uh, show much uh, burst or explosiveness in these last two weeks. They were given a handful of chances, and they've obviously been given a handful of chances beforehand and in practice. But uh, I think Bucky Irvin and Kai Thomas in this game uh, asserted themselves as the number two and three option. Uh, Bucky Irving obviously got it going for most of the game early, and he had the most uh, work uh, and opportunities early in the game with 15 for 89. Um, but that last scoring drive for the Gophers, Kai Thomas showed that he deserves carries too. He had, I think, uh, I don't know if he had all seven for 66 on the last drive, but he, he had at least close to 50 uh, rushing yards on that last uh 
on one scoring drive. So uh, it's definitely exciting to have all three of those guys, uh, Potts being a redshirt sophomore technically still, and then Irving being a true freshman and Kai Thomas being a redshirt freshman. It's definitely exciting as a Gophers fan to see how much talent they have in that backfield. And honestly, they they had so many just wide open holes to run through. The offensive line was dominant. Uh, Heading into the year, everyone obviously said that this was going to be this team's strength and it was going to be their um, backbone of the offense. They were going to lean on them. And they performed like one of the best overall units in college football. They uh they imposed their will on Colorado for 60 minutes. Um I think I can count on one hand the amount of negative runs that uh the Gophers had of their own in this game and I think uh that is a very telling I, I don't have the exact number, but I think that's a very telling thing. Uh, that shows how good uh, the combination of the running backs and uh, offensive line plays because uh, those negative runs, like uh, if, if you're running just an outside power or a pitch and it goes for negative five or something, those are what can kill a drive, especially for a run-heavy team like the Gophers. But when you're getting at least even – so if like a bad play is a one yard gain, that makes such a big difference in it uh, in each drive, and it just confirms how much push the offensive line is getting up front, and how smart the running backs are running to realize that a play is dead, and they don't need to bounce it outside, but they need to uh, mitigate damage and just go north and south and uh, get positive yards instead of trying to make something spectacular. But it was very uh, good to see uh, not many of those in this game, and I think that was huge in each one of the Gophers' long drives. And um, obviously all the offensive linemen played great. Uh, uh, They even rotated seven, and uh, Curtis Dunlap was a little banged up. Hopefully he's good to go for the rest of the year. But, I mean... When your offensive line plays like that, it's hard to not put points on the board. Uh, when Tanner Morgan's went, even he only attempted 17 passes, but he was just not pressured very much at all. And when you just have those monster holes for the running back talent that the Gophers have, uh, it just makes life a lot easier on the offense and much, much, much harder on the defense. But uh, Keith uh, should deserve some credit, too. He's obviously not an offensive lineman, but he almost plays like an extra one when he's out on the field. He, uh, I was reading some tweets on Twitter. He was getting some national hype as maybe the best blocking tight end in the country. Uh, he played one of his best games of his Gophers career. He was playing like an offensive lineman, but as a tight end. Um I think he, yeah, he even had one catch for four yards. But he was dominating up front, too. He was ma- making uh, massive blocks left and right. So I just thought I should give him a shout-out, too, because he kind of gets left in the uh, left out, out of the mix sometimes because everyone loves to praise the offensive line. 
But a tight end who... The Gophers' tight ends really as a whole, him and Spanford, they kind of get left out of the mix. But they've been a huge uh, positive in their running game, even though they haven't gotten much work in the passing game. But So I, th- I thought I'd just give them a shout-out. Um, so, yeah, as as a whole, the offense just did very well. Because in Chris Ottman Bell's uh, season debut and his return from injury, his four catches and 79 yards on the day, you could tell he just instantly brought another spark and playmaker to the offense. Uh, he had two massive third down conversions at uh, points to keep big. I think both of those ended up being scoring drives, but... Uh, uh, maybe not, but whatever. Uh, his ad- addition clearly it takes this wide receiver group and passing game to another level. Even though Tanner Morgan was 11 for 17 for 164 and uh, no touchdowns, he played mistake-free football. And in a game like this, that's all you can ask. When you have a huge lead, uh, he got... Dalen Wright involved with another uh, big play for 39 yards. And uh, Daniel Jackson had four catches for 39 yards. So that uh, trio of wide receivers, man, uh, they continue to impress me. Um, If the Gophers ever need to pass or if they ever decide to open up the playbook, those three guys um, can play with just about anyone in the conference, I think. Um, I think they can be an elite a trio, no pun intended, I guess, but uh, they, they have every uh, argument to be one of the better wide receiver groups in, in the Big Ten. Uh, Ottman Bell looked like he didn't miss a step. Uh, Dalen Wright, just even though he only had one catch, he's kind of struggled with drops a little bit, but man, his flash plays, it, you can just see that he's a special receiver. And then Daniel Jackson, he he's kind of gets uh, left out of the mix sometimes too, but He's played great to start the year. Um, so the Gophers' uh, defense was the other um, big positive from this game. Uh, they obviously held Colorado to no points and only 63 total yards. Um, I think the most positive thing was to see the Gophers' uh, defensive line get home for their first uh, four sacks of the year, uh, two of them coming from Thomas Rush and Boye Mafe each. Um, sacks are always a unique topic of discussion when it comes to uh, reviewing uh, defensive performance because uh, a lot of times uh, a pressure can mean just as much as a sack because you're getting pressure on the quarterback and you're affecting his presence in the pocket and his decision-making in the pocket. But uh, pressures aren't a uh, commonly kept statistic. So, uh, But the Gophers, with, without pressures or without sacks or however you look at it, they weren't uh, getting that much physical pressure on the quarterback through the first two weeks. So... Uh, getting home for the sacks or not, it, it was a great sign to see uh, the Minnesota pass rush making plays. Because obviously, uh, sack is a made play. Uh, pressure or not, it's, a sack is a made play on the box score. 
and it all four of those were actually big points of the game. I think two of them came on third downs, um, but it's great to see both Rush and Mafe making plays. And if the Gophers can get even half of that production for the uh, rest of the year and in other games, that is just a huge boost uh, to their defense. Um, and the rest of the front seven, I thought uh, the def- defensive line as a whole played very well. Uh, Val Martin was making plays. Uh, Niles Pinckney was making plays. I, I thought they looked um, very strong up front against a uh, Colorado offensive line that's had uh, success so far this year. I think they looked very talented, and they looked like a unit that can continue to perform well going forward. Um, in the rest of the front seven, oh, I thought in the linebacking uh, group, Jack Gibbons continues to impress me. Um, the Abilene Christian transfer, transfer, he played very well. He had that big forced fumble and recovery, like I said earlier. Uh, he led the team in total tackles with six. He had one tackle for loss. Um, he, was, he was making plays all day. Uh, I'm continue to be very impressed with uh, him, and I think he he's a massive addition to the uh, Gophers linebacking group. His veteran presence is clearly paying off, and hopefully he can continue to make uh, more plays going forward. Um, and then in the secondary, um, I think this Jordan Howden made his return uh, to the back end. I think which was his, he was he dressed for the Miami of Ohio game, but I, I don't believe he uh, he was on the field for. I don't think he was on the field for any snaps. So um, his return, you could tell, it kind of brought a life back to the Gophers secondary. And I think Coney Durr played might have played his best game of the season so far. Um, he was making plays all day, even in the running game and in the passing game. Uh, Colorado only, obviously only completed 12 passes and attempted 24. So sometimes I could imagine it would be boring for a cornerback to sit there all game when you know uh, there's not really a threat of going deep. But I thought Coney Durr played very well. He was engaged the whole game, coming down in the running game, making plays all day. And then uh, true freshman Justin Wally was also making plays. He laid a huge hit on a Colorado receiver. Um, I forget which point of the game that was, but that was a big play. And uh, he made some other plays than that. Uh, he had two total tackles unofficially, but... um. He's going to be a stud on this team. Uh, I think by the end of his Gophers career, he will definitely be an all-conference player. Um, In the offseason, he was one guy who impressed me a lot in practice and in the spring game. And he's only going to continue to get better. So being that he's already making plays three weeks into his first freshman season, that is just gets me excited as a Gophers fan to see how much – young talent they have with with him, Bucky Irving, uh, Kai Thomas. It's just, it is very positive uh, to see. 
But, I mean, as a whole, there's not really much more you can ask out of this defense, even if Colorado stinks. Uh, this was a dominant performance, a near-perfect uh, performance from start to finish. Um, I, it's just... If this defense plays like this uh, in really any game, I just don't know how the Gophers are not going to be able to have a great chance of winning. Because um, with the style that P.J. Fleck and Mike Sanford call the offense and run their offense um, with leaning heavily on their running game, they obviously had... 53 carries to only 17 pass attempts in this game. That uh, makes that number a lot easier to swallow. Um, when you're keeping Colorado's defense on the field and the Gophers' often, their defense is net, was not on the field often in this game. Uh, when that's the case, it's just... It, it makes this team that much harder to stop. It's just classic, just smash-mouth football. Dominating within the trenches, leaning on that uh, that offensive line and running game, and just dominating the running game and just imposing your will on the other team. That's just a uh, massive boost when your defense is doing the same. It makes this team just that much harder to stop. Um, but another uh, topic of discussion, unfortunately, was the special teams uh, in a tough week. Overall, for Minnesota kickers, especially the Vikings kicker, but that's that's for another day. Um, Matthew Trickett was one for three on field goals. He missed a 26-yarder early on their opening um, offensive drive, and then he missed a 43-yarder later. But he did finish the game uh, making a field goal near the end of the game for his first of the day. Which I think is huge for his confidence and his. He was three for four on extra points. He did miss one, so that is seven points left on the board. So this obviously could have been a much different game. And there was uh, that one drive where you could tell PJ just did not want to kick a field goal. I can't remember if they got points on that drive, but um, what my uh philosophy with uh, kickers as a fan is a lot of football fans, they see their kicker miss kicks. And in the pros, you can obviously just cut him and get a different guy, which I disagree with. Because um, if you're just cutting your kickers and benching them just left and right, I I, I believe that kicking is a very confidence-driven uh, skill. And uh, it, obviously, if you look at the best kickers in the NFL, they're not looking behind their shoulder. If they miss two or three kicks in a short period of time, they know they can correct themselves, and they know they will correct themselves. But if you see Greg Joseph, the Vikings kicker, miss uh, two or three kicks in a game, he's looking over his shoulder, and he's like, he thinks he's going to go into work on Monday and get cut. But uh, So it, even if he doesn't get cut, Next Sunday, he's going to be kicking nervous. He's going to be kicking, think he's kicking for his job. Um, so I think when you put trust in your kicker and say, like, not every kicker is perfect. You're going to miss kicks. Say, we know you're going to miss a kick, but uh, make sure they know 
they miss a kick, their job is not on the line because it just puts so much pressure on every single kick that they have, and no kicker is perfect. So I, I think the Gophers, just, like Trickett showed against uh, Miami of Ohio, he can make big kicks, he's consistent. I think they just need to return his confidence to him and uh, show they believe in him, and I, I think it's going to be fine. Uh, everyone has a bad day, and I, for kickers, it's just heightened because everyone's watching them. Like, no one's watching the left guard on TV and saying, oh, uh Connor Olson's not having a good day for the Gophers. Uh, very rarely that that gets publicized nationally, I guess, on like Twitter and stuff. But yeah, I, I just think the Gophers need to stick with him. He just had a bad day. Um, but another uh, significant thing in the uh, special teams, I I continue to be confused why uh, Trey Potts continues to uh, return punts. Um, you give him how many carries? Twenty six carries in at altitude, and he's returning four punts or whatever he returned today. I, uh, I just don't see the real thought process that goes into that. Obviously, he could be the best punt returner on the team, but I feel like that's just unnecessary risk. Uh, Brock Anikstead was returning some of them. I just don't know why he can't. Just return them all. If, if you think he's less uh, explosive as a returner, just tell him to fair catch all the punts and just take it as it is. I, obviously, a good punt returner can make a difference in a game. But if you're that worried about it, find there's enough athletes on these te- on this team. I would find it hard to believe that there's not any other guy in practice who doesn't want to return punts. Even Bucky Irving, throw him back there. He's looked good returning kicks. Um, I find that just odd, but um, yeah, it just as a whole, there was very little to complain about in this game. Uh, as a go as a fan of the Gophers, they looked dominant from start to finish. They were a bit sluggish to start the third quarter again, but uh, it was positive to see them not let that be a bigger issue and correct themselves this time. Um, it, it just, this is a huge uh, confidence boost. Obviously, we got Bowling Green this week, but next week you got um, Purdue and then the bye week. And if you're sitting at 5-1 uh, and one at that point, and then you got Nebraska, Maryland, Northwestern, and Illinois, there's no reason why uh, this team, or they'd be four and one at that point. But uh, there's no why, reason why this team can't be eight and one uh, after that stretch before they take on Iowa, Indiana, and Wisconsin. It just this game they kind of needed. It was almost a must-win for their uh, long-term hopes of this season. Um, but. I mean, this has to be just a huge confidence boost. It's even a confidence boost to me as a fan. It uh, raised my confidence heavily in this team. Um, PJ Fleck continues to uh, play to the teams he's playing skill level. But in this game, he dominated. Start to finish, the whole team dominated. There's nothing you can complain about in this game. 21 straight um, non-conference wins. It's just great to see. 
and hopefully they can keep that momentum going into this week when they host Bowling Green. Alright, let's get into some Bowling Green preview. So the Gophers final non-conference game of 2021 will be against Bowling Green, who's coming off its first victory since 2019 in November. Um, a, the Bowling Green's 27-10 victory over FCS Murray State um, is its first in nearly two years. Um, but so this year, uh, Bowling Green opened the year with a six to thirty-eight loss against Tennessee. Then in week two, it had a close loss to a Sun Belt opponent, South Alabama, nineteen to twenty-two. And then, uh, and they're coming off their first win of the season against Murray State, twenty-seven to ten. Um, so I think most people's main question is, how bad is Bowling Green? Well, in 2020, um, they finished 126th out of 127 FBS teams in scoring, averaging just 11.4 points per game. And on defense, they gave up a 117th worst 476 yards per game and 45 points per game with only the Kansas Jayhawks allowing more. Um, so far this year, um, they've had 85 ca total carries as a team for 169 yards, um, which comes out as 2.0 yards per carry. Um, so uh, this team is not good. Um, they are a different team than uh, Miami of Ohio, who the Gophers played, obviously, in Week 2. Uh, Miami of Ohio was two seasons removed uh, from a conference uh, championship victory. Um, this Bowling Green team um, has won four games under their head coach. Going into his third season, um, Scott Leffler is 4-16 and 16 as the Bowling Green head coach. Um, but so any uh, names to watch in this game, I guess? Um, Bowling Green will start a senior Boston College transfer, uh, Matt McDonald, who against the Gophers will be making his ninth um, career start. Um, he obviously has not performed great, um, so... I don't know if that'll change against the Gophers, but that will be their guy behind center, most likely, to start out the ball game. And then on offense, their top playmaker is Washington transfer um, junior Austin Osborne at wide receiver. Uh, he leads the team with 21 catches for 153 yards so far this season. Um, but yeah, the offense... It's obviously a little bit better than last year. They scored 6, 19, and 24 um, in three games this year, or 27, excuse me. Um, but this is, uh, after seeing what the Gophers defense just did against an uninspiring Colorado uh, offense on the road, um, I would like to see what they're going to do against this Bowling Green offense. I, I could tell you 
some more statistics of how bad Bowling Green is, but it's pretty clear they just aren't good at all. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, a name to watch out will be linebacker Darren Anders, who's a junior. Um, he led the team with 55 tackles and four and a half for loss in 2020. Um, but yeah, this defense is far from anything special, but I, I, they did just hold Murray State to 10 points. And they haven't even gotten up to their 45-point-per-game average of last year. So um, maybe slightly better team than last year, but still, uh, this is one of the worst um, FBS teams in the country. Might be the worst in the MAC conference. Um, but again, uh, this just team is not good. I, I don't know any other way I could put it. Uh, their head coach, Scott Leffler, is 46 years old. Uh, like I said, he's 4-16 and 16 in his Bowling Green career. He's now entering his third season. Um, at, he started his career as a quarterback coach at Central Michigan, um, then Michigan, um, then with the D Detroit Lions, and then with Florida, and then he was an offensive coordinator at Temple, Auburn, Virginia Tech, and Boston College. And now he's the head coach at Bowling Green. Um, the Gophers opened this game as a 31-point favorite, and I think any win less than that would be disappointing, to put it simple. Um, the last time a P.J. Fleck-led Gophers team beat a uh, group of five, or really any non-conference team at home by more than seven points, was in September of 2018 against Miami of Ohio when they beat them 26-3, oddly enough. Um, but uh, uh, coming off of their most dominant, uh, really P.J. Flex most dominant non-conference win as head coach of the Gophers, I, I th would hope that anything less than 31 points, really, maybe even 40, would be a disappointment um, I it, it would be another great confidence boost if they just destroyed this team by 50. Um, again, this is a much, much, much different team than Miami of Ohio. Um, I am not expecting the same uh, close game that uh, Miami of Ohio stuck around with and then the Gophers had the slow start in the third quarter. This is a massive, um, massive talent gap between teams. Uh, Bowling Green might be a bottom five team slash program in the country. Um, so uh, a dominating uh, win needs to happen in this game. Um, the Gophers will be looking for their uh, now nation's best 22 sec or 20 second straight non-conference win. Um, and I, I think it will be huge. Uh, as I talked earlier, looking ahead at the rest of the schedule, um, after Bowling Green, they're going to go to Purdue, um, take on the Boilermakers in West Lafayette, and then they have their bye week. Um, I think the win over Colorado was just instrumental because now they can kind of just ease into Big Ten play. They have a very favorable schedule, to be honest. I, I would think that most coaches would like to play their toughest op opponents at the end of the year, and that's what the Gophers do. I mean, they go to Purdue uh, after Bowling Green by week, 
host Nebraska, host Maryland, which are probably the two toughest teams on this list. Um, then they go at Northwestern and then host Illinois. Um, this is a very similar schedule to that 2019 uh, season when they played Iowa and Wisconsin in the back end of the year. Um, the Gophers can really, really get some momentum uh, before they play Iowa, Indiana, and Wisconsin to close out the year. Um, a dominating win here would, like I said, would be huge for their confidence. But um, I mean, I, I don't have much to say about Bowling Green. That's kind of why I included it in this episode. There's not really much to say about it. They stink, plain and simple. Um, can't put it any other way. Um, it was unrealistic to want the Gophers to beat Miami of Ohio by like uh, 40. I guess they were coming off a tough game against Ohio State. Uh, it is unrealistic to not hope they win this game by 40. Bowling Green's terrible. Um, they need to dominate them. Um, but at this point of the season, uh, this point last week, really, uh, I'm much... Uh, more confident in the Gophers' season-long um, hopes and how they will compete in the Big Ten West going forward after after this Colorado game than I was against the Miami of Ohio game, like most of you listening probably. Um, but, yeah, I am excited to see how the rest of the season plays out, and I think uh, this game against Bowling Green will be a great warm-up, I guess, for the rest of the year. Um that's all I got for you guys today. Um, I'll probably be back about the same time next week. I uh, might have a guest on uh, for the first time in a while. Um, but thanks for listening. Roll the boat. Gayuma and go Gophers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.